cover for him this week while he, so that him and his family could have some time away. I asked him if there was any place in particular that he wanted me to pick up from. And he goes, no, just do whatever you want to do. It's like, gee, thanks. Uh, when I do the Bible studies, I tend to go just, I pick a book and I go through a book verse by verse because it's, to me, it's kind of dummy proof. God gave me my outline to follow and where I have to find something on my own, I'm not that smart. So <laughs> it was a little bit of an adventure, but an interesting one. Jeff said, preach what's on your heart. And actually, God did kind of put something on my heart. It took me a while to get there, so hopefully what I've put down will make sense to you and uh, everybody will get something from it. Let's pray for a minute here. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord God, we're here to honor you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to, uh, to be here, Father. We thank you that you give us a place to meet. We thank you, Father, that you have protected our ability to meet. And we give you praise for that. Lord, this morning as we open your word, I pray, Lord God, that the words that come out are your words. There's nothing that, uh, nothing I say, Father, that would lead anybody down a wrong path. So, Father, we commend this time to you. We ask for your, your blessing on it, Lord, and I pray that you're blessed by it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of the, as I started thinking about this, what to teach on, I was thinking about as, as we were going through the book of James, and there was something that kind of stuck in my head, and it was in uh, chapter 2. And basically, the gist of it was, faith without works is dead. And I thought, like, what is that? You know, so I, I mean, obviously, we all know works is not going to save you. And that's not the gist of what that passage meant. The gist of what that means is that if you're saved and you have faith, the way that you conduct yourselves, the way that we do things should, should show that to the world around us. It should, you should be able to look at somebody or somebody should be able to look at you and tell just by how you conduct yourself that, hey, there's something different about that person. That's what that, kind of what that meant to me. But what kind of works? You know, what, what do we do? What, what should we do that, that is going to show that? And what God kind of put on my heart was love. As we already told in Scripture, He says, uh, by your love for one another, the world will know that you're mine. But it's more than that. It also means that I should be loving everyone around me, caring for everyone around me. In Matthew 22, uh, when asked, Jesus says, you know, that... Uh, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Secondly, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 40 of that, he says, On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So basically, if you follow those two things, if you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you will naturally abide by the law. And so if you go, if you look at Exodus, um, was it Exodus 20? 
Real quick. It's real quick. It's the Ten Commandments. Starts off with, you shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth is in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then we're going to switch gears. It says, next one is, honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And thou shalt not cover your neighbor's house or his wife or his donkey or anything else. It's kind of an interesting flow there. The first four commandments are your relationship between me and God. The next six is my relationship between me and people around me. So for God, Christ to come back and say, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. First four commandments. And then to love your neighbor as yourself, the next six commandments. So obviously, if we follow those, you will naturally live out the Ten Commandments and follow them properly. So then I get asked myself, okay, well, who is my neighbor? It's an honest question. Who is it? Is it you, you guys, my, my church family? Is it my family? Is it the guy that lives next door to me? And what does it mean to love my neighbor? Well, your neighbor is anybody and everybody that you come in contact with. Believer, non-believer, somebody you work with, somebody you go to church with, a fellow brother believer, brother and sister believers, or a non-believer. It's who you come in contact, your sphere of influence. That is your neighbor. And love can be as simple as showing somebody just basic human kindness. You know, I, I think, trust me, I can fail at that pretty easily. So in Matthew, Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He'll sit on His glorious throne. And before him will get, will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For as I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me, and I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them and say, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So, when we follow God's commandment and we love those that are around us, and we, you're not just being obedient, but you're serving God, you're ministering to God as well. You are, you are honoring Him with those 
actions that you do. And so when I serve somebody else, ultimately I'm serving God. And the thing that should be overriding in my mind as I'm doing that, because I'm not somebody that easily, especially if I get around a bunch of people I don't know, I don't, it takes me a while to warm up and start to interact with them, you know, and, and especially if I'm in a situation where they're type of people that maybe I otherwise wouldn't hang around or wouldn't associate with, I tend to distance myself away and try to, it shouldn't be that way. Because when I, I've got something that they don't, we all as believers have something they don't. And this should be the, the, the overriding factor that, that pushes us to interact with them and to show them this, this kindness, this love that we're talking about here. And that is we've got a hope in us that the world doesn't. Those around us don't have this hope. And if you look at what's happening today around us, look at how people are acting. People are scared. They're mad. They're overwhelmed. And one of the main reasons that I'm seeing in there is that these people, there's no hope today. The people don't have a hope that keeps them going. There's a fear that's driving them. And as Christians, if we've got this hope and we can look around and not allow that fear and the turmoil to drive us nuts and to overwhelm us, then as a believer, maybe I should try to show some of that hope to those that are around me. And what better way of loving someone than to try to get them to see that they too can have this hope. They don't have to be overwhelmed by all this. And as believers, we're even called to be an influence on the world around us. Um, If you look at Matthew 5, uh, starting in verse 14, says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Stop there for a second. So God says, you've got this hope. I've given this to you. And you need to show this to everybody else. And you don't, don't just secretly have it. Make it to where the world sees it. But the last part of verse 16 there tells us why. It says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as as I start to show those around me this love that God has given me, this hope that God has given if I start loving them in a way that I'm showing them this hope, Hopefully they'll see that, and then it's not me that's going to get the honor here. It's going to be God. So again, by serving man, by serving those around me, by loving those around me, I'm loving God. I'm serving God. That's, again, we're following the two commandments that God said were the greatest. And in doing that, we're covering the whole Ten Commandments. It's an interesting. I watched an interesting uh, scenario play out. In the, over the last year, and it culminated here in the holidays. Um, and it really kind of got me thinking. 
there is a there's this homeless guy that and I've been I've been uh, aware of this guy for a long time, but for the last year or so he's been hanging out around the courthouse, and uh, I'm usually the first one that gets to work in the morning. So I get there still dark, you know, and I'd see him out there kind of huddled and I'd go into my office, make a cup of coffee and every now and then I'd just take a cup of coffee out there with me and hand him a cup and we'd sit there and talk for a while. And he just, he loved to talk and yeah, I'd just sit there and and chat with him for a little while. Then I'd go back to my office, you know, and I'd go out during the day, I'd see him out there and say hi to him and he'd just, Hey, you know, and about the only interaction I really had with him. And he'd always tell me, hey, you know, you can park your truck right there and you never have to worry about it. I'm watching it, you know, and just uh, really a harmless guy. But to look at him from a distance, you know, he kind of, he was pretty rough looking, you know. And I literally would watch people walk down the sidewalk and be all the room in the world and they would step off the sidewalk into the street and go around him. You know, I for whatever reason. And, uh, but he was harmless. Unfortunately, you know, I, uh, it was on a Friday. As I was leaving work, I saw him sitting there, and as usual, hey, you know, I'll see you later. And uh, only this time he just kind of looked over at me, and I thought, well, you know, and there were some, some issues there, some substance abuse and uh, a host of issues. And uh, I thought, well, you know, there's an issue going on here. Well, the next morning, I got a phone call from one of the ladies that works at the courthouse that he had passed away in that spot that night. And uh, she was really upset when she called me. And it was interesting. This is the part that really got me. Um, I find out as I talked to her, she had been coming in the morning, bringing him a warm breakfast. She would at times bring him a warm dinner. And on Thanksgiving, she went and chased him down. <laughs> he wasn't where he normally was. So she drove around till she could find him and brought him Thanksgiving dinner even. And so she was trying, for whatever reason, she, she just really was trying to help this guy. And um, she even went as far as found out he was a veteran, uh, got a hold of the Legion, was trying to get him help. And the morning they were supposed to meet, well, that night was when he died. And he wouldn't take the help that people would offer him, a lot of reasons. But what got me was, was how upset she was. She didn't know this guy from Adam. And she was really visibly upset over the fact that she felt she was never able to really help him. And so we talked quite a bit. And finally, I told her, I said, you know... I know you're upset, but I hope that I can tell you something here that maybe would make you feel better. I said, you did what God called you to do. She said, what do you mean by that? I said, you could have been like everybody else and you could have just walked by. But you took a time to extend some basic human kindness to somebody. Did it make a big difference in the grand scheme of things? It didn't. But what you did is you brought a little ray of of hope, a little ray of of light into this person's otherwise dark world. And, you know, he was always a happy kind of person when I'd see him. Seemed to be anyway. Sometimes a little too happy. Um, But I said, you know, 
That's what God called you to do, and you were faithful to do it. Now, I don't know if she's a Christian. I, I honestly don't know that. I, it's shame on me for not knowing that. But I, I kind of impressed on her. God called you to do this, and you were faithful to do it. You didn't question it. And, and I can tell by the way you, you're reacting how genuine you were about your actions. And these actions are her. It affected a lot of people uh, that she'll never know about. Other, some other homeless folks out there that, that have showed up, you know, recently that have commented on it. This man's family had commented on her, her generosity and, and the way that she cared for this person. And so the reason I tell you this story is I look at this and I think, wow, I, I I've never done something like that. I mean, I've been nice and I brought the guy a cup of coffee, but. I don't know as if I've ever cared for somebody like that before. Um, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, I should. You know, I don't have any excuses. I don't have any excuses for the way I act. Because I should be doing something like that. I don't think I ever, in fact, I know I've never have. I've never had that where I acted out of just pure love for somebody. Caring. Somebody I didn't know. And it just and so it really it really made an impression on me that she would do that. Look at Matthew five, verse forty three. Well, I want to back up here for a second. So these people that you see that we would otherwise otherwise we would walk by, or we wouldn't interact with. God's given us the ability to love them. Whether you realize it or not, I sit here and I say, I've never done something like that. Well, I, and I say that, and then I turn around and I say, well, I don't have an excuse for not doing that. And I don't have an excuse because God's given me the ability to love because he loved me. That gives me the ability to love somebody else. And I need to recognize that as something I need to work on. And I think all of us, uh, if we were honest with ourselves, could do a lot better in that, that category. Matthew 5, 43 through 48 says, You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So it's easy to come in here on a Sunday morning, see each other. Hey, how you doing? You know, and talk. Um, we're, we're, as far as meeting here at least goes, we're like-minded. And, you know, I mean, I think each of us uh, have probably over over the years have had each other over for dinner and stuff like that, you know, or maybe have gone and done something together. It's easy to do. We were comfortable for the most part around each other. But then 
you take somebody that like this person, this homeless person, if you bring him something, he's probably never going to give you something. If you were to invite him home for dinner, he's probably never going to invite you over for dinner. Yeah, you know, and, and so the, the the analogy here is, if I do things for somebody, I show love, I care for somebody that I know can do it back to me. You know, there, there there's some gain there because you know I I'm doing what I should do, but the when you do it to somebody that you know can never repay that, or is not willing to repay it, that's huge. That's a, and that's what we're talking about here. And so when we go back to God saying, love your neighbor as yourself, we're not just talking about people that look like me, the, you know, think like me, the pretty people, the rich people, the, no, we're talking about the cast offs as well. We're talking about the honorary people as well. People that maybe they're not nice people. And I just, prefer not to be around them. We're talking about those because God doesn't say be nice to this person. These people don't count. He says, love your neighbor and your neighbors, everybody you come in contact with. Now we're going to switch gears here a little bit, staying with the same flow as loving. But I want to look at it from another angle too. Look at Romans 14. Somebody asked me earlier, I told you I was going to jump around a little bit. Romans 14, 1 through 4. says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on a servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So, when when I look at somebody, and maybe they don't do something the way I do it, Maybe they don't believe something the way I believe it. I I don't have any right to look down on that person and belittle them for being different than me. And here we're talking, uh, you know, it starts off talking about somebody weak in faith. So if you're if my faith is weaker than yours, you know, right, you don't have the right to belittle me for that. And I don't have the right to belittle you for that. If look at the world around us today and look at the fear that's going on out there. If my fear threshold is higher than yours, maybe maybe what goes on doesn't scare me. But maybe you're petrified. I don't have the right to belittle you for that. I don't have the right to look down on you. God says, welcome them all in. And he says, do not quarrel over opinions. And I just kind of looked this up real quick. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the definition of an opinion. 
It's the view or judgment formed about something not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. And we all have opinions. <laughs> and it may or may not be based on fact or knowledge, you know. So don't use... So another way of loving somebody is to not take my strengths and oppress somebody that I feel ha is, is lesser in that category. And I'm going to tell you right now that while I was studying this and while I was putting this together, I blew it and I blew it bad. <laughs> my wife was standing there when I did it. <laughs> Got into a conversation with somebody and they weren't listening to reason, <laughs> you know, and and I can actually feel myself getting mad at this person. I mean, mad. I'm getting ready to kind of go off on them. And then all of a sudden, it was like God kind of gave me the old gib slap and said, what are you doing? You're getting ready to teach on this very thing. And what are you doing? You're doing what you're saying not to do. So I went and got a glass of water and came back. And by the time I come back, you know, the whole attitude had changed about it a little bit. And I started watching and listening a little differently. And it really, and it dawned on me something. I'm not afraid. Again, why? Because I've got hope. I've got hope in Jesus Christ. I know that if I die, I know where I'm going to go. I know that I will spend eternity with my Savior. And here's the difference. He doesn't know the Lord. And he is in a situation right now where he is in his family watching somebody die. And he's scared. And he's overwhelmed with it. And he's facing the mortality of fallen men without the hope of Jesus. Now, just because I have a hope in Jesus doesn't mean I get to go in there and beat him up with it. And that's what I was getting ready to do. <laughs> you know, and so... But it's, I mean, it is so easy to fail in that. And I need to step back every now and then and remind myself that when God says, love your neighbor, it means love them even when they think, don't think like me. You know, because if I beat on them, I'm certainly not going to point them to him. And then look down at verse one of Romans 15 there and see what that says. This, is, this should be a slap. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So not only, not only is it not right for me to do this, but it says I have an obligation to, to be kind to these people, to be kind to everyone, you know, because if... Just because we don't agree, just because we don't look the same, just because we're different doesn't give me a right to treat you any differently. And I think what we're seeing going on right now, I mean, there's such a argument in the world around us right now. It's uh, freedoms versus, you know, if, uh, I don't want to go, I don't want to get into politics or anything, but. As an American, <laughs> I like my freedoms, <laughs> okay? Don't you dare tell me what to do. But I should never use that to beat somebody else over the head if they're scared. I need to, I need to respect that. I need to respect somebody else's fear. 
I need to respect somebody else's opinion. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it. But I need to be able to respect. And respect is another form of love. It's another form of kindness. I mean, it's being lost in the world today. This being able to treat one another with kindness and respect. And so it just, I, as I was reading, I hope this makes sense to you guys today because it's just something God is just, because I know I'm guilty of it. And it's something God has just really put on my heart about how I look at people, how I treat people. And I know that I can get cynical. I know that I can also be pretty darn obstinate. And <laughs> ask girl. <laughs> but it shouldn't be that way. So as we go into the new year, think about this and look around at the people around you, the people that you come in contact with on a regular basis and ask yourself, how can I show, how can I show the world my faith? How can I express love to my neighbors around me? And it could be something as simple as a cup of coffee in a conversation. It could be something as complicated as trying to get involved in their lives and try to help them, whether they accept that help or not, whether they want that help or not. I'm not saying to overbear, overpower them or be overbearing on them, you know, but to be there to help where you can, where you can step in and fill a void. I'm not telling anybody to give up any freedoms. I'm not telling anybody to, you know, make yourself anything less. But I am telling you, I'm asking you to maybe put people a little bit above yourself. Care about somebody else a little bit more than I care about myself. And think of the ways that God has shown his love to you. Here's three things to consider. God's mercy is God's goodness towards those in misery and distress. God's grace is God's goodness towards those who deserve only punishment. God's patience is God's goodness in withholding punishment towards those who sin over a period of time. That's what God's done for us. And so if God's done that for me, then the least I can do is show people around me some love, show them some basic human kindness. And who knows? Maybe God will use me to bring that person to him. I'm not going to save anybody. That's not Joe Moore ain't saving nobody. But I could certainly be the tool that God uses to bring someone who is lost to him. And so I'll leave you with this one last thing, and it's in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever, lo and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so as we start a new year, and everybody always seems like they're out there making all those uh, New Year's resolutions, they're going to do this and that a lot better, going to go to the gym, going to quit smoking, going to lose some weight, going to do that. Yeah, right. Nobody ever does that. Try this. Let's be nicer. Let's be nicer to each other. Let's be nicer to everybody around us. And in doing so, let's fulfill what God said was the two greatest commandments, to love Him with everything we've got and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we'll find ourselves doing that little bit closer to living in His will and following His law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just, uh, I can never thank you, Father, for the fact that you called me to be yours. I know, Lord God, that I did nothing to deserve it. In fact, uh, the opposite, Father, I deserve to be thrown from your, your sight. And Father, I pray that uh, you, will, you will allow me, show me how, enable me, Father, to show those around me what you've shown to what you've shown me, Lord, the love that you've given me, that you would allow me to pass that on to those that you put me in contact with, Father. And then just be a little less uh, myself and more of you, Lord. So, Father, I thank you for this. I praise your holy name, Father, in your son Jesus' name. Amen.